the new working week is beginning and it is full of exciting possibilities. You're with Lyle and... Mon, good morning and happy Monday to you, Lyle. Yes. And well, you're listening to, of course, Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 and 88 positively different radio right across Australia. Mm. What a great place to be in the morning. It is. It certainly is. Now, we have some great programming coming up today. Of course, you're listening to the delayed broadcast. And if you would like to hear the live broadcast, which is so much more interesting. And super easy to do. I feel like it's almost easier than listening to the delayed broadcast. And it has a perfect signal all the time. All the time. You're never going to drive out of your signal area. Okay, so how do you listen to the live one? They can do it two different ways. They can jump on faithfm.com.au and listen to the live stream. Or they can use the TuneIn app, which is my personal favourite. It's just a free app. You download it. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. Just look for Faith FM Australia and you can put that thing through your Bluetooth, put in your car stereo, your home stereo, listen to it as you're working out, as you're going for your walk, as you're doing your cooking, your shopping, your cleaning. It's so easy. Just on your yes, device. absolutely. It's the best way right there. And, of course, then you've got your device ready and handy if you want to give us a call. Mm, and exactly. participate in the open line. And talk win about the Bible stuff. study, send in a question of the day, mm-hmm. win a prize, answer the quiz, whatever it might be. Get the freebie giveaway at the end of the show. Yeah. Yeah, live is so much better. That's right. Anyway, what have we got coming up in today's delayed broadcast? What did we have coming up? Well, we have our uh, wonderful study on Galatians and Paul. Yes. And uh, that drama-fueled drive through Galatians. Where and Paul then, gets um, quite blunt, I guess. Oh, in some he gets of the way super <laughs> blunt. <laughs> He's like a, just a two-by-four, whacking people over the head with it. And uh, what else do we have coming up? Okay, so we've got uh, Love Matters with Neil Thompson, as we always. Do. And an interview with we Adele. We have a quiz, which will be one of the hardest quizzes we have ever had it's a who am i and uh it's already been answered because you're listening to the delayed broadcast but see if you can figure it out anyway that way i have a feeling our delayed listeners would probably get a lot of our quiz questions right now we're going to talk about um, of course billy graham and the billy graham funeral Mm -hmm. a very large event happening in the united states and we do have some happy news as well what was that all about the hospitality sector taking on loneliness Absolutely. So if you're feeling lonely, there are some great clues coming up on how to feel not lonely this morning. How to get help and how to be a help as well. Yes. And maybe and by being can... a help, you can get help. Yes. Yeah. Wonderful cycle. And of course, we have great music as always. So don't go anywhere. Stay with us as we go through the morning together here on Faith FM. We'll be right back right after this.
listening to All Sons and Daughters. We are waiting here on Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 and 88. And Mon, we have a story. You said there was a story coming mm. up about the hospitality industry solving the problem of loneliness. Loneliness. How They're does having that even a crack work? at it. They're having a crack at it. So I just want to, sh- this is like really interesting to me. So like, as we know, food is something that really binds people together. Even the word companion comes from Latin and means with bread. Oh, really? With bread. So it's like a friend with bread. It's like someone who comes companion with Companion is, okay, all right. That's, yeah, that's how sweet is that? That's awesome. So, you know, we have had like an explosion recently uh, of food delivery companies. Um, you know, you've probably seen them driving around the Uber Eats and the the one with the kangaroo or something, whatever it is. And, you know, from your app, you can order your food. You don't even have to get off your screen. You can stay with your face stuck on your screen, order your food, have your food delivered, eat your food by yourself with your face still stuck on your screen. I'm an ex-gen. We don't know about this stuff. <laughs> well, you can, you can now sustain yourself with physical food without ever leaving the digital realm. And it has created like an explosion of loneliness and depression and anxiety caused by a lack of human connection. And the hospitality sector has fought back with creating, I want to say like a different kind of restaurant. They're called a supper club. And they're springing up all over the planet, actually. There's ones like casserole club, stories on our plate, my grateful, cook to give. And basically what these places do, it's not like a restaurant. You don't go in there and sit by yourself and order your own food. And, you know, you've seen it. You said it so many times, people in there on their phones, not uh-huh. even paying attention yeah. to any of the other customers. This is a place. Oh, I've, se- I've seen it many times where you've got like um, six people sitting at a table and every single one of them's on their phone. Exactly. So this is. I have the solution for that, by the way. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. If you go to the restaurant and everybody sits down and pulls out their mobile phone and starts staring at their screen, uh-huh. um, what you do is you just make a simple rule. Everybody puts their phone in the middle of the table. <laughs> First one to touch it pays for the meal. Problem solved. <laughs> I hate that rule. It's an awesome <laughs> I rule. Would, I would be paying for everyone's food all the time. Anyway, Addict. so what, what these supper clubs do is they create more of a family vibe. And these don't have to be in restaurants. These are often in people's homes. And right. what they do is they have one communal table and they don't have it, um, you know, like a menu. So when the food comes out, everyone is eating from the same pot. And it's kind of like an fa- old school family style. They serve it onto their plates. Yes. Yeah, so right? yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, know, you don't all like eat from the same pot. Yeah, but they pass it along and they all take from the same thing. Yes. And, uh, and then they're forced to communicate with each other, even as strangers. You know, they're sitting at the same table. They're eating from the same dishes in front of them. So it's a little bit like when you go to one of these weddings where it's a sign seating and you get sat next to a whole bunch or, or a table where you don't know anyone. Yeah. And then even more intimate because uh, you don't get like put a plate in front of you and you don't go to a buffet you get to put like a roast gets stuck in front of you and you all have to like take a slice so that like a plate of veggies and you all eat from the veggies kind of a thing and it's um it's actually creating a wonderful opportunity within the refugee community uh, mm. for, for locals, you know, for, for um, people who are wanting to look for a way to help immigrants to their country. Um, they're putting and them in these supper clubs. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, there's a particularly successful one called My Grateful. What a great play on words. Yeah. Yep. And um, they've been so successful with this. They're now offering uh, refugees an opportunity <coughs> to do the cooking as a way of introducing their food and their culture to the, to the people um, of the country that they've come to. So it's creating a, a really wonderful atmosphere and a way for people to connect. And it just reminded me of, you know... So do we have one of these in the Newcastle Hunter region where... Uh, have you got a list there of places where we can go? I don't have a list? local one, but you know what? That's not the point. The point is to start one. There you go. Start Absolutely. One. You don't, everyone knows how to do this. Just open your home. You know this is a biblical principle, table. right? It, 
do you know what? Not surprised at all. Okay, not so Revelation chapter three. You didn't think I was going to go to Revelation to talk about hospitality, <laughs> I did you? I totally thought I was going to go to one of the Gospels. <laughs> yeah, see, Revelation is my favorite book of the Bible. I can find anything in the book of Revelation. Just give me, just try me and I oh, will find it in the book of Revelation. I'm you up on. All right, so here it comes. Revelation chapter three and verse 20. Jesus says this, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and share a meal with him and he with me. Okay, so think about this for a moment. Jesus is talking about standing at the door of our heart, standing at the door of our mind. He wants to come in. He wants to become a part of our life. And he brings it in with this whole concept of food. I want to come in and share a meal with you because he is speaking international language. And I liked what you brought out about how people are doing this with you know, refugees that are new to the country. They maybe don't even speak the same language or you know, might not even speak any English at this stage because they've just arrived. They've come mm-hmm. from a very traumatic background and uh, you know I've met many people like this they're great people you know become great friends with them and so hospitable you know Australia is a bit cold compared to uh, as far as hospitality goes compared to some other cultures which is funny because we're known as a friendly country yeah we're friendly but yeah. we're friendly in different ways we're mates you know yeah. we, but we don't have that whole uh, we're not going to bring you to our house though and and, 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 and pile you with food and then yeah, we don't when you do eat that. that just keep pouring more and more and yeah. more when, when Australians when, when we say we've had enough we're like yeah great we actually believe each yeah. other on that one <laughs> some cultures I go to their home and it's just like no you haven't had enough you emptied your plate therefore I need to fill it again and they fill it again unless you leave something on it you're in trouble I need to go to one of these people's houses I could eat a few plates I reckon but um, but Jesus is speaking international language because you can go anywhere in the world Mm. and when people want to draw close to each other you know intimate friendship they do it over food you know come over to my place for a meal let's go out for a feed Um, you know let's you know do this from from every language Every culture, from the most primitive to the most sophisticated, food is an international language. It's of so true. Friendship. It's a common denominator. And I love, you know, all the stories in the Bible with Jesus that involved food. He was always breaking bread with his disciples. And, you know, when he fed the 5,000, you know, he's doing that whole the preaching and stuff. And you think the story would just end there, but no. Now he's going to feed everyone lunch. That's because Jesus is all about building a relationship with you and food mm-hmm. is all about building relationships. And this is one of the things that has caused the breakdown of the family in recent times mm. is that families have stopped eating together. There was once a time when families literally ate three meals a day together when they were at home and if not then at least two meals and at the very least they shared the evening meal together and they didn't have screens. Mm-hmm. Which meant they talked. Yeah. I mean, they did have a screen. It was one screen in the living room, nowhere near the dining room. You know, they didn't all have screens that they brought to the table. And it's funny you should mention that. It just makes me realize how important food is. You know, not just so much from like a, like a, a physical health perspective, you know, not just from nutrients and vitamins and minerals, but from a social perspective, food mm. actually has health benefits in that regard. It's incredible to think of how dynamic food is. We don't really think, think about, about it Think about the much. evening meal where the traditional evening meal where families would get together and eat. They did some research uh, about 15 years ago with um, recorded devices on uh, young people and found that um, the average father in the United States, and this is 15 years ago before screens took over, um, spends about 86 seconds a day in meaningful conversation with his children. Mm. And you know what every school mass school shooter has in common? No father. Oh, that's so sad. Everyone has that in common. So food is so vital and spending uh, as far as, you know, building relationships. And this is such a great story that you've got right there. And you know what? 
I challenge everyone to share a meal with someone this weekend. We'll be right back with um, who are we listening to? Anna Beaton. Oh, yeah. Ooh, Hope, Patience, Prayer. What a lovely song. Lift your head, little one. Lift your eyes to see the sun. Lift your heart and burden so. Oh, rejoice in hope. Lift your head. have been listening to Anna Beden, Hope, Patience and Prayer here on Faith FM. And I have a news story, Monica, mm-hmm. that is so current and is so fresh, it hasn't happened yet. Lyle, are you becoming a prophet again? Is this that yeah, prophet complex? Kind, of <laughs> <laughs> kind of. Okay, I'm going to make a prophecy. There's going to be a major event that is going to take place today. And that major event will be the funeral of the one and only Billy Graham. Oh. You see, it is the 2nd of March here in Australia. Mm-hmm. But the 2nd of March has not yet arrived in the United States. Oh, I see. You think you're real clever, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> How and old so was he? Wasn't he like almost 100? I think yes, he was like he was 90. 99. Wow. 99. Long blessed life. Yes, and one of the most, uh, probably the most influential preacher 
mm. of the 20th century, 21st century, and um, certainly reached more people than anybody else uh, through both radio and live audiences. Mm-hmm. I think one in six people in the United States heard him preach live, which is, you know, that's Whoa, just, that's a huge number. Know, just amazing statistics. Mm. And then if you include, obviously, his media audiences, he was one of the pioneers of uh, media evangelism and, um, yeah, getting the, the, the message of God out through that medium. So, yeah, a truly amazing individual. Did you ever hear him preach? Not live, no, but certainly through the media. Okay, I see, I see. Yeah, I think most of us have probably heard at least some of him through the media somewhere but along the line, but I did hear uh, I did hear his son Franklin, Franklin Graham preach live in Hobart once as a young person. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. his son's followed his footsteps into ministry? Yeah, that's right, he did, yeah. yeah. Well, his, his oldest son. Anyway, on his, in his last evangelistic uh, series, um, he made this statement. Mm-hmm. And it's an interesting statement. I want to just maybe unpack it for a moment this morning. He said this, Do I fear death? No, I look forward to death. With great anticipation, I am looking forward to seeing God face to face, and that could happen any day. Now, I have something here. So this was so this is Billy Graham's last evangelistic uh, campaign. He makes this statement here. I want to compare that with Paul's last uh, sermon that we have in the Bible, which is found in Second Timothy chapter four. And I want you to notice the contrast between these two statements because I hate to disappoint Billy Graham, but Billy Graham is not in heaven. And, he's and not Paul being, makes that very, very clear. And he hasn't met Jesus today. He has not met Jesus today or even a few day, days ago when he passed away. You see, Paul says this in 2 Timothy chapter 4, and these are pretty much his last words. Beginning in verse 6, he says, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is near. I have fought a good faith. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. So he's writing this, you know, maybe just a couple of days or even hours before he is executed. He goes on in verse 8, and he speaks with the same confidence of Billy Graham. And I love the confidence that Billy Graham has, and I love the assurance that he has. I think that is fantastic. And Paul has that same confidence and assurance, but his confidence and assurance is in a different event. Okay. Why don't you catch this in verse 8? Paul says this, Henceforth, or from now on, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me at that day. Well, that's that's you know nothing uh, different there so far. Mm-hmm. But then he goes on, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Who's appearing? The appearing of Jesus Christ. Okay. So here's what Paul says. Yes, I'm going to see Jesus face to face. I'm going to worship him face to face, and I'm going to do that on the same day that everybody else sees him appear. In other words, I'm not going to do that until the resurrection that takes place when Jesus returns. So Billy Graham and the Apostle Paul have a bit of a differentiation. They have very different. They have very very different view on what happens when a person dies. Different days, essentially. Yeah. So Billy Graham, his view is that when he dies, he's going to see Jesus that day. Mm-hmm. Paul's view is that when he dies, he will see Jesus the day of the resurrection. And so some people say, well, that's, I feel really bad for Paul here or for Billy Graham because they've got to wait two thousand. You know, Paul's case, he's got to wait two thousand years for Jesus to come back. But you know, death is like a sleep, so it's just like exactly, bang, and it's there. 
I feel like either of I don't think Billy Graham's going to be disappointed. Yeah. And I'm not saying he's saved or lost. That is God's decision to make, but we're assuming so. When he wakes up, he's not going to know how much time has passed <coughs> since he died. He, he no. might think it'd be like, you know, the very next second. Even Just a slightly different event what, than what he was expecting. Just slightly different. Yeah, Jesus <laughs> coming in the clouds of glory with, uh, with great power and uh, amazing event. And if, if we look at what else Paul said on this subject, because Paul had quite a bit to say on it a couple of pages back. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 16, it says this, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will ever be with the Lord. And it goes on and it says, Wherefore, or because of this, Comfort one another with these words. Okay, so just a quick question for you, Lyle. Yes. If if both Billy Graham and Paul are going to have you know pretty much the same experience anyway, they're going to be you know, resurrected. You know, pending you know where they're at with the, with the yes. Lord, if they're both going to be resurrected and head off to heaven, and it doesn't make any difference to them which day it was. Why is this important? It's important because if we believe that there are people living in heaven right now that. Uh, uh, you know, that people simply float off to heaven as soon as they die or their ghost or their um, spirit or their soul or whatever it is might be floats off to heaven with it. We have, we have no protection against deceptions that come our way via um, the appearance of relatives who have passed away. And this is very, very common. You would be surprised how many people have these kinds of experiences. Okay, so speaking to spirits and that kind of stuff is not what we think it is. No, no. We, That's and, and, and many of you, I'm sure, have had these kinds of uh, um, experiences. And, um, and if you have, we need to know exactly where these experiences are coming from. In John chapter 5, verse 28 and 29, the Bible says this, Don't marvel at this. The hour is coming in which all that are in the graves will hear his voice. Mm. The Bible says that everyone is in the grave waiting for the resurrection. And so maybe you've got a question on this. Give us a call, 1-800-324-843, or text us on 0491-064-669. We would love to answer your questions. But right now, Audrey is
Welcome back to Faith FM. It's fantastic having you with us this morning. And with us this morning, we've been joined by James Timmy. James, it's wonderful to have you with us. Sorry if I've just butchered your surname, by the way. <laughs> no, that's all. That's right. Absolutely spot on. Oh, perfect. So, James, tell me a little bit about yourself and what you do. Uh, well, thanks, Adele. I'm um, Chief Executive of Mission Australia. Mission Australia is a, a large um, a Christian-based or uh, we have a faith founding principle, which is um, to meet human need and spread the knowledge of the love of God. Mm-hmm. We existed for over 150 years in Australia, and we um, uh, operate in all states of Australia, delivering a range of um, uh, community services and, um, and other services to people in need in Australia. So how did you end up in a role like that? Well, I started the role in November, but I've worked in Mission Australia itself for the last seven years. My background is in social work. I'm a qualified mm-hmm. social worker and I've worked in child protection and also um, with children out of home care uh, and in other roles prior to coming into social work, working in the community and, and social sector. Mm. And over a period of a career which extends back probably 25 years now, um, uh, through working in those various different areas of human need, both in the UK and in Australia, um, I had a uh, you know have developed a, a management career, which has very happily for me brought me to the place where I'm CEO of this wonderful organisation. It's beautiful how things work out like that, really in life, isn't it? 
It is. Yeah. Mm. So what kind of strategic plan do you guys have and what drives you in the purpose for that as Mission Australia? Uh, well, our, our plan, our, our purpose, as I've said, you know, remains um, uh, you know, meeting human need, mm. spreading the knowledge of the love of God. That's our founding purpose, and we, um, we're very proud of that. And that's something which, as a founding purpose for the organization, we, we don't get a choice about whether we um, have that purpose or not. We are able to choose our strategy, obviously, and mm. we're able to choose the things that we do in the way in which we deliver our purpose. Strategically, our our overarching goal is to strengthen communities and reduce homelessness. Mm. Uh, we see that homelessness in particular is uh, um, a major challenge in Australia at the moment. And lots it seems of the to be a growing, growing problem as well. Well, it, it certainly seems to be. And I think it's important to remember that, um, you know, the, the, what, what the general public and what you or I would see if we were walking in the streets of any of our big towns or cities um, uh, of representing homelessness on the street. Those mm. people may be rough sleepers, but rough sleepers only represent about 6% of the homeless population in Australia. There are around about 6,000 rough sleepers in Australia, but there are mm. around about 105,000 homeless people in total. So people who uh, are, so you know, sleeping problem. on friends' couches or, That's you right. know, in between That's accommodation right. and things like that. That's right. In between accom- unsuitable accommodation. And overcrowding, there are lots of people who, you know, the, the, one of the causes of their, um, the unsuitableness of their accommodation is they, uh, you know, large family living in, in uh, you know, very two, tiny houses. Yeah, right. yeah. yeah. Mm. And so working to reduce that sort of problem is obviously one of the, you know, the, well, the driving um, goal for Mission Australia. Um, well, that's right. Yeah. Mm. So what sort of work do you do towards that? Well, we look at the underlying causes of homelessness. So not only do we try to treat homelessness when it emerges, and we work with um, rough sleepers in city, city, cities like Sydney, for example, we also uh, work uh, in, in areas where homelessness is, emerges from. There are people, people mm-hmm. fleeing, women fleeing domestic violence, there are, are, are a rising number of people represented in homelessness. So we actually work in... Um, you know, we work in domestic violence services. We operate domestic violence shelters in, in some states. Um, we see young people, um, particularly young people leaving um, public care and people generally leaving institutions, whether those are prisons or hospitals or other institutions, are overrepresented in the homeless population, homeless population mm-hmm. as well. And we'll, we seek to work in those areas too to um, uh, help people identify and connect with the suitable accommodation when leaving those um, uh, you know such institutions and, and placing them in accommodation mm. one of the um, again growing areas of homelessness is around um, older people and we have three now aged care facilities all of which are based in, in New South Wales um, for uh, aged homeless these are people who may be leaving long-term hospital care or may have been sleeping on the streets for many years or for other circumstances have lost the roof over their head and are um, elderly people who uh, otherwise would be homeless if they weren't living in our um, aged care facilities. It's wonderful that you're providing a service like that. I mean, it's, you know, when you're younger, you sort of think, well, I can still work and, you know, get money and income and that kind of thing and be able to 
hopefully find somewhere to live. But when you're older and retired, it can be very challenging to find something. And you know, providing for the really vulnerable people in society, you know, whether they are older or younger, it's just it's so wonderful that you're able to do that. Um, what kind of things can people do to help Mission Australia in performing this vital service? Um, well, we we, we are very gratefully accept donations from the general public, and 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 a number of our services, which operate particularly around homelessness or, or working with young people, are actually funded entirely by donations or very largely by donations. So, a great way to support Mission Australia um, is to um, is to donate to us. Either become hop onto our website and um, make a one-off donation, or become a, a regular donor mm. or supporter. Um, we're also later this year, um, and this is a, this is a new departure for us. We're, we're carrying out a sponsored walk, effectively a trek on the Larapinta Trek, which is in Central Australia, to raise funds specifically for a homeless outreach service called Mission Beat, which would operate in the Northern Territory. We have a Mission Beat service in uh, in Sydney and other similar services called Mission Beat or Youth Beat in other states. But we do see a big um, uh, emerging problem of um, disconnected uh, people who are experiencing or at risk of experiencing homelessness in the Northern Territory, and we feel that we could take our service there and that would be, um, that would be beneficial. We need to raise mm-hmm. money to do that. So we're doing the trek to do that. I'm doing the trek, and my wife is joining me on the trek, and we're both having a bit of a competition at the moment. <laughs> you can so raise you can... the most money, and I'm losing. Nice. Actually, oh, no. <laughs> I, I handed uh, I handed all my friends, all our family friends and family over to my wife and said, you can go and raise money from them and I'll leave them all alone and I'll try and raise money from other people. And she's been much more successful than I am at the moment. But <laughs> it's a nice problem to have though. <laughs> so how long is the trek and when is it happening? Uh, well, we're doing 60 kilometers the, the, uh, and it's happening between the 4th and the 10th of June. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, and, and it's, still, it's still possible for people to join the team to go onto the, um, if you Google uh, Mission Australia Trek or go onto the Mission Australia website, it's possible to actually join the team and do the trek. We're oh, still, cool. um, we're very happy to have mm. people join us. Um, but if people are unable to join, you can still sponsor. We're very happy um, to, mm. have a, to have a sponsorship. Yeah. Mm. And so all of that money will go into providing resources and training and everything like that for people who are facing the problem of homelessness in the Northern Territory. That's right. Um, the, it's important to note that the, the costs of actually doing the trek and it's expensive um, uh, are met by the, by the person you know being sponsored. So uh, all of the money, therefore, that's donated does we will be able to direct, direct that completely into the service and developing a service opportunity there in, in the Northern Territory. Yeah. Oh, that's really exciting, and it's good to see that the money and that sort of you know full amount goes back into providing that essential service. What sort of things do people? find that they what, what sort of things do you provide to people who are in need I'm just sort of thinking of you know typical typical example is there you know not just the housing side of things but is there some education you can provide people or ways to connect them with work opportunities or things like that oh yes uh, there are I mean uh, obviously the um, as an organization we about we have about two and a half thousand employees and about the same number of volunteers volunteers um, offer their time anything from a day every few weeks to um, uh, you know services which are uh, very reliant on volunteers actually 
you know, providing the service on a day-to-day basis. There are a number mm. of different ways in which people can volunteer and give their time to the organization. I recognize that, um, you know, not everybody has money to spare, but some people have time and knowledge and skill. And mm. I, I think it's important to reflect that, um, you know, we have a lot of um, we have a lot of skilled volunteers with a great deal of experience and knowledge, and we train people as well. Um, and that's always very gratefully received. And in fact, our um, you know some of the new the opportunities, particularly around these sort of homeless outreach services, um, we are looking at ways in which we can engage volunteers to support the delivery of those. Mm. Um, whilst obviously we would have um, professional staff uh, working uh, in them as well. Um, other ways that people, so that's a very good way that people can support so donations, mm-hmm. giving you know, people giving time. There, um, there is information on our website uh, if people want to understand more about homelessness. Um, there are publications that we have uh, ourselves put together in relation to homelessness in Australia um, and some of the challenges around um, housing affordability. Um, uh, and there are various other publications information available on on the website. Mm. When but it comes, sorry. Just, sorry, no, can you, just, you go? If you, if you Google Google homelessness in Australia, and um, you know, I've done it lately, but Wikipedia has got you know, some good the stats that are publicly available from the Australian Bureau of Statistics are there available for people to have a look at. Mm. So when it comes to sharing the love of God with people who you encounter through the work that Mission Australia does, do you find that people have a good response to that? Um, it, it's very obviously very personal for people. We, mm. as an organisation, we, we have a chaplaincy and the chaplaincy team is there um, principally to work with our, within our staff group and provide pastoral care and support to our staff group, but is also available to any of our um, clients or recipients of any of our services who who express an interest in engaging with um, with chaplaincy, we've had some incredible stories of um, people moving into uh, some of our temporary accommodation homelessness services who have used that opportunity to, whilst reflecting on their lives, to say, uh, I, I, you know, I, I had a relationship. I had a faith relationship. I had a relationship with God in the past. I haven't got it at the moment. I need to. Uh, I'd like to try and rediscover that. Who can I talk to? And we have opportunities where, for example, an informal what we call coffee with the chaplain. So mm-hmm. uh, people can then choose to go um, and engage uh, and hear. Um, some people literally will just go and, and listen, um, mm-hmm. uh, and others will engage more fully. What we are very conscious of, and I, I think this is very much the way that I feel about. Um, my own personal, uh, you know, the, the sort of manifestations of of me living out my faith is it's it's actually what we do, it's how we do what we do, which is important, and we do it mm. in a way which invites um, a possibility that someone would say to us, "Why do you do what you do?" And then we can talk about what we do. Uh, if we lead, um, it, you know, if you if you if you step into someone's life, in my experience, and um, you don't lead with listening to the person and you lead with telling the person, then you don't necessarily get a second chance to talk to them. That's very true. So hearing mm. people first and then having an opportunity to tell your story is the sequence that I find works and that we find works. Mm. Um, and I think, um, you know, there are parts, particularly in the, in the book of James, it talks about um, 
you know, faith without works is meaningless. And I think Mission Australia is we're really about works and Mission mm. Australia works and faith together and not just words on their own. Yeah, I guess it's where, you know, the you'd say the rubber meets the road kind of faith. You know, it's mm. the practical, everyday, useful manifestation of the belief you have in God and God's love for you as well. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Just as we're wrapping up in our last minute or so here, um, one thing I really liked about the um, core values that you have at Mission Australia is that, you know, you, you're not just encouraging people to overcome challenges they face, no matter how hard they are, but you've got to focus on celebrating achievements and celebrating mm. celebration. Can you tell us a little mm. bit more about that just quickly? That's a really good point. And the fact that, it's, you know, it's, uh, it's great to be able to reflect on that and it's the conversation we often have with people when they're in the interview process and they come to the organization and they'll understand this value well, tell us about celebration they think we're going to be going having you know parties every friday <laughs> it's actually um about celebrating with and for clients and our successes with clients and that inevitably involves celebrating with teams and with our uh, you know staff and colleagues as well mm. but you know okay you know not not unusually um, people that we work with have come from very, very challenging circumstances and experiences have no, may not have had celebrations in their lives. So they're, they're on, on one level, um, we, in our aged care facility, I talked about our aged care facility, mm. we had a gift drive for our residents and every all of those residents got a Christmas present this year. And I sent them all a Christmas card and I had a couple of um, responses from people saying, this is, you know, this is the first Christmas they've ever celebrated. And they're living in an aged care facility and it was the first time they'd celebrated Christmas. So celebration is, is around those those big kind of marquee times of the year, the important times of the year. Christmas obviously is a big one. Mm. But also celebrating the tiny, what we, what you or I might see as, as tiny achievements in people's lives, but which would to them are very, very significant. And actually marking those and identifying those and recognizing those as being worthy of a celebration. Mm. I think it's a, about... Yeah. Sorry, go. No, it's like, well, setting a permission in the organization to say, you know, we, we, we can be happy for and with people and it's important to do that, to celebrate for them and with them. It's a beautiful reminder. And I think, you know, when you look at the life of Christ, he was very much about celebrating people as well and celebrating the best in life. Well, thank you so much for joining us this morning, James. It was wonderful talking to you. And if you'd like to know more about Mission Australia, we'll just pop up a link to the Mission Australia website on the Faith FM Facebook page this morning. You're listening to Faith FM. Stick around. We've got plenty more great content coming up just after this. Pleasing to you